in the days as of late, uh, my attention has returned to actually really the first or the, the first reason or the catalyst to my ascent, I would say, into uh, the world of functional medicine, holistic health, lifestyle interventions, and how those things, and actually even into the mind, body, spirit, energetic, bioenergetic, um, even quantum realms, <laughs> and how they all intersect to create you know, who we are um, and dictate really our health whenever we pay attention to all those aspects of us. So, um, and that topic is actually type 1 diabetes. And so when I started out on this journey that has been actually quite a, uh, a beautiful journey, actually, I guess you could say, um, over the last 10 years, well, probably my lifetime, but, you know, really intensely in the last 10 years, um, and changing really what I do in my days and in my career, um, not even career, I would call it a passion, uh, a calling. That, that topic of type 1 diabetes was where, was really the, the major catalyst of like uprooting all that I knew before to make room for something better. So I have been developing programs for parents um, and, you know, group coaching and very much in the in the realm of support and good information and all the stuff that I've been providing to people one-on-one -on -one, and I'm doing that on a larger scale now so I'm so excited about that and so today I wanted to share just a bit of an introduction about type 1 diabetes a holistic approach to type 1 diabetes and that this um, presentation that I'm giving you is a, is a bit longer than usual it's about an hour long and it gives you um, ideas as to your child healing and the fundamentals. So I hope you really enjoy this. Uh, I really enjoyed putting it together. And I'm really looking forward to doing more work with parents who are in this, um, in this journey with me. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. Hello, this is Carla Atherton, founder and director of the Healthy Family Formula. And welcome to this parent module entitled Type 1 Diabetes, Your Child, and Fundamentals for Healing. So I have no slides today, but you can follow along using the PDF that I'll be providing to you with all of my notes and such. And I have to say right off the hop, I apologize for the lighting. I actually can't find my light that I have, but it gives me a nasty headache anyway. So um, with all the things that we'll be talking about today, regarding chronic illness and, and uh, in environmental inputs and such, you won't blame me if I don't wanna use something that actually hurts my brain anyway. So that being said, um, let's get started on the topic. So educating on the topic of type one diabetes and supporting parents who are looking for answers is a, a passion of mine, as it was my own daughter's diagnosis that launched me into the work I do today. So at the time of her diagnosis, which was 10, uh, almost 10 years ago now, coming in November, or February, not many knew or were teaching parents anything about diabetes except carbs in and carbs out, um, or carbs in and insulin in, I guess, um, and no causes or possibilities. And most people only told me what I couldn't do rather than what I could do. And I wasn't interested in that at all. So especially since the advice was wrong and based on their, their limitations, not mine and not my daughter's. In talking with parents with type, children with type one, the situation remains the same, no quality information and certainly no solutions. And our family's journey has been valuable and I'm grateful for it all, yet I think that it can have been, it should have been easier <laughs> for us. And it can be easier for parents who wanna go right in the right direction from day one, not, 10 years down the road, but now. 
So here I am. Um, so first, what I want to do is define diabetes for you just really quickly, because these are short sessions and we, I don't want to overwhelm you. And there are details we can certainly get into through uh, all along the way. But this session is really meant to get you oriented and a little, a little jump start to type one and avenues for healing um, from here on in. So let's, let's again, so I back up, let's, let's start with that defining diabetes. So the symptoms, and as you all probably already know, because I think most of you are coming here with the diagnosis already, would be things like increased thirst and frequent urination, um, increased hunger, weight loss, fatigue, blurred vision. And sometimes, you know, some of those kiddos can have that ketone breath. Uh, they might be, you know, just a little off, like I mean, uh, like I said, fatigue. Um, so those are sort of like the warning signs, although they could be, you know, indicating other things, but diabetes is always something to check for when you have that set of symptoms. Um, many diagnoses are given based on blood sugar tests alone, but we will talk about proper testing in a few minutes because that's not enough. Okay. So to, to get a, di a diagnosis of diabetes, maybe, but not enough to actually give us more information about what might've caused that diabetes in the first place and exactly what kind of diabetes we're looking at. So it's important to differentiate between the types of diabetes so that you can understand what causal factors to address and what physiological processes to correct. Okay, so what's going on biochemically in the body, there are things that we can actually address and correct. Um, diabetes can be brought on by an autoimmune attack on the body's own pancreatic beta cells, which I will touch on shortly. Um, or it can be a metabolic condition due to stress on the body, such as poor diet and lack of physical movement. Um, here are some of the types of diabetes. So obviously the, the, the movement and the poor diet actually do relate to type one, which most, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, healthcare professionals won't really tell you that. Uh, it's just said to be autoimmune and that's it. It's not true, but it's also not caused by that alone. Um, it's not even caused by that really at all. It's a, they're, they're contributing factors. Okay, so we'll just talk about that in a minute. But type 2 diabetes is caused by this whole, you know, this is really a lifestyle uh, condition. So, uh, so I'm going to back up. Here are the types of diabetes. So we've got prediabetes, metabolic syndrome. We've got insulin resistance. And they're all, again, metabolic. It's how the body is... Um, taking in fuel and using that fuel and it's all it has to do with um, all the inputs that the body gets and how the body works right like with the inputs that it gets so those 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 syndromes or or diseases I guess or states of illness they are all metabolic so pre-diabetes metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance as is type 2 diabetes okay so same thing um, type 2 diabetes can be managed or even reversed and actually I would say in every single case can be reversed um, as long as you haven't you know had a diabetes for 30 years and really trashed uh, your body but um, with lifestyle and diet changes dietary changes type 1 which is what we're talking about today is autoimmune in nature and we'll talk about what autoimmunity actually is in a few minutes okay so it does, it's, it's separate from type one, it's quite different actually, as far as, uh, you know, the mechanism involved in its perpetuation, but it does have overlaps with um, the metabolic um, aspects of diabetes. So latent autoimmune diabetes in adults, which is called it, like, you know, uh, the acronym is LADA, L-A-D-A, is also autoimmune. And basically, it's the adult onset of autoimmune type one diabetes. So most of the time, um, you know, people are diagnosed with diabetes in their childhood. 11 years old seems to be very common, but now I'm seeing a lot of kids who are diagnosed a lot earlier and is as, as young as infancy. But I'm seeing six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds. It used to be, you know, even just a few years ago when my daughter was diagnosed, the, the age was kind of like around 11. So, but now, now you'll see younger children. Um, you'll also see um like uh teenagers uh sometimes being diagnosed but you'll also see people in their in their adulthood being diagnosed diagnosed with type 1 di diabetes with no indication of any kind of issue before that 
um, maturity onset of diabetes in the young, which is MODY for, uh, for short, so M-O-D-Y, is actually a dysfunction, okay? So it's not really categorized as metabolic, you know, with the inputs that we give into our body and how that affects the biochemistry or autoimmune in nature. So it's a rare form of non-autoimmune diabetes that causes beta cell dysfunction, thus impairing insulin secretion, but not completely impairing its production. So there are 14 types of MODI identified so far, each being caused by a different genetic mutation. Now, again, um, very few conditions are actually like having to do with one gene in particular. Like that is very rare. Actually, the majority of chronic illness um, and onset of dis-ease and, and uh, um, diagnosable conditions, and especially chronic ones, are really not, um, you know, not identified or triggered by a certain genetic expression. It's usually a combination of them, and we will see commonalities, but there's no diabetes gene necessarily. But in Modi, we will see this kind of dysfunction that's a little bit more rare um, that can be tied to genetic uh, genetics more, more closely than any other form of diabetes or other form of chronic illness in general. So type 1 diabetes, uh, no, sorry, type 1.5 diabetes. So this is actually where there are characteristics of both insulin resistance, which is classified as type 2 diabetes, and type 1 diabetes. So this type is also called double diabetes, which is both metabolic and autoimmune. And I would say that actually any sort of type one, you will often see a lot of this, of this happening quite a lot where those kiddos both have an autoimmune um, response and that is what's perpetuating this diabetes, but also have issues with um, actually like with insulin resistance. And that's often because um, they're not advised to actually look at diet and lifestyle. And so when you continue on with an unhealthy diet and lifestyle, you perpetuate insulin resistance because that is actually the cause of insulin resistance in the first place. So that's the problem, right? So that's why we need to look at all this holistic approach rather than just carbs in, insulin in, right? We wanna look at the whole picture, including causal factors and factors that perpetuate the, the, the diabetic state. So one more, th one more that I wanna mention, and it's probably not the only other one, I'm sure there are all kinds of other variations of diabetes that we don't even really know about yet. Um, but brittle diabetes is basically a term used to describe kiddos or adults who have a hard time controlling their diabetes. And when we say controlling the diabetes, it's basically blood sugar control that we're talking about. Okay, so chronic illness. So let's just talk about that in general for a little bit. Um, so chronic illness, so this isn't cut and dry, like all these definitions at all. Um, so like most chronic conditions, there's no one cause of type 1 diabetes. There's no specific gene to pin on it, like I already said. There's no one test to diagnose it. Um, although, you know, most of the time, um, the one test that is done is, is fasting glucose or um, like a, you know, a spot glucose, and that, that is usually used as, you know, you have diabetes if it's higher than a certain amount, because the body will not allow, um, allow the blood sugars to get beyond a certain point because it become, becomes toxic. So there are safeguards, right? But if you have it go past a certain number, um, that means that, that something's not working right, and, and usually it's because um, the insulin isn't being produced, at a, you know, by the pancreatic beta cells, or because there is some kind of insulin resistance so that that little lock, you know, that's trying like the lock, the insulin that's trying to turn the key, there's not enough that's not working, the key doesn't work anymore, because the system is overwhelmed. Um, all right, so first, it's important to understand what is true for all chronic illness and disease. Okay, so there is always a cause. Okay, parents, remember this. There's always a cause, and those causes can be found in our environments. So what we do or not, or do not do, or do not put into our bodies. So this, these things can potentially cause toxicity or deficiency, right? And we'll get, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about usual suspects. Um, deficiencies and toxicities cause stress, which triggers the body to respond. 
So the nervous system sets the immune system into motion. That's a very important point to keep in mind because stress is the mother of all disease. And I'm, we're going to talk about a little bit more about why that's true and how that has to do with your kiddo with type one. So this causes inflammation and malfunction that causes symptoms. So this nervous system setting the immune system into motion causes inflammation because the immune system is actually like, they're, the, they're also the cleanup crew, but they're, they're mainly the um, emergency crew, right? And so wherever that crew is pulled into the body or, or called to in the body, it causes inflammation. And this inflammation is useful to some extent, but not when it's a chronic inflammatory response constantly happening in the body, then that's going to start to cause problems, right? So it's going to tear things down. It's going to become catabolic. It's going to um, create all kinds of malfunction that cause downstream symptoms. So that thirst and that um, fatigue, all those symptoms are actually downstream from the inflammation, which is downstream from the nerve, the immune system responding to what the nervous system is telling it to do. Danger, immune system comes into response. We have in, inflammation and malfunction, and we have symptoms that are caused from that, or that are the end result. So there are a handful of usual suspects. Um, I call them the usual suspects. I know I did not make that up. I got that from somewhere. I have no idea where, but um, I have adopted that term of usual suspects. So these are the stressors that cause these deficiencies in the first place, these toxicities and inflammation that are responsible for the body's response and downstream symptoms. Okay, so in autoimmunity, such as type 1 diabetes, a combination of these usual suspects address, uh, or stress the body enough to start the autoimmune process. Then the downstream symptoms and malfunctions occur, okay? The causal and contributing factors leading to a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes or any other chronic condition is different for each child. So this is where it's sort of a pain because um, we just want to feel like, we, we just want to know what caused it when one thing causes diabetes and what one thing cures it. We don't have that answer because there are many things and Patty Lemmer calls it the total load theory. Um, there's other people that call it, um, you know, death by a thousand cuts or, um, you know, filling up that bucket and then the body just can't do it anymore. It overflows, right? Um, but that, those set of circumstances is different for each child. And in order to find healing and to prevent comorbidities or future health issues caused by the same causal factors, right? because they can cause more than type one diabetes. And depending on your weak link in that chain, um, your, your, your biochemical makeup, your genetic SNPs, you know, all those things of like your lifestyle, your situation, this current you know, load of stress that you have in your life or your child has, even birth story, right? Even, even the ons, like the very first beginnings of life, what happened in that child's birth and what happened in the moments afterward, um, these are all factors, right, that go into that one child's story. So we need to know what those are. We need to ferret out what the usual suspects are to address, and then we can address them for each individual child. But I have good news. There are only, certain there are only a certain number of, of usual suspects or categories of them. There are many, many of them. But there are specific categories that you can actually look at to get an idea of what happened for your child. So the following usual suspects can be involved in the onset of diabetes. Okay, so like I said, causal factor or contributing factor, um, or they can be factors that are presently exacerbating or perpetuating the, perpetuating the diabetes, right? So it's continuing, it's keeping the body inflamed, it's keeping the body in stress, right? Or both. And oftentimes it's both. Okay, so here's category number one. Number one, excuse me, pathogenic infection. So parasites, viruses, bacteria, yeast, and mold. Okay, so those are the types of infection that can be a contributing factor to the suppression or the activation of the immune system, right? Um, heavy metals and chemicals is another category of stress. 
and that those never should be in the body at all. I mean, with the viruses and bacteria, yeast and mold, we do have a specific amount that is healthy, actually healthy for us. We don't want to eradicate and create a sterile environment. And that could be talked about in another session about the gut and the GI, um, the uh, microbiome, the virome and the mic microbiome, which is the mold and yeast that it's in, that's in the body. We need that. Actually, we need a balance. But when we have an, because it actually is protective, but when we have an, we're overrun by opportunistic uh, bacteria or parasites or viruses and yeast, um, we have problems. We have a, a situation where we can become toxic and um, have replication of these bacteria and viruses that make us downstream, down the road, show symptoms of being sick, right? Um, also disrupting the immune system and then being a contributing factor to the biggies, right? Like type one diabetes. So, okay, I'm gonna go down to heavy metals and chemicals. Um, those never should be in the body. They block receptor sites that are meant for others, uh, you know, important biochemical reactions. Uh, they become little like antennas, you know, that make EMF exposure more um, prevalent and, and more intense. Um, they also like they, they are toxins, period. They are not actually um, beneficial to the body in any way, shape or form. So we don't want them at all. <laughs> um, electromagnetic fields is another uh, usual suspect that we look to in the onset. And that's a contributing factor as well. Um, and it, they actually disrupt the immune system. They are inflammatory, overexposure to things like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth um, actually, uh, like I said, suppress the immune system and create, they actually, it actually breaks DNA strands. So they're actually quite dangerous and they're considered a pollution or carcinogen. And so, um, especially in the functional world or, or people that understand this, Many people still don't understand the effects of electromagnetic fields, but you can certainly look it up any, anything on the internet. Um, there's plenty of stuff available for you. And also in PubMed, if you're more inclined to look at um, peer-reviewed uh, peer papers, there are over 10,000 of them about EMF um, in, that, in that, um, that site, that website. Okay, so in that database, that's the word I was trying to look for. All right, so mental emotional stressors is another category of usual suspects. So this is really important, actually. Uh, you know, if you have somebody who has this sort of set or sort of set up, you know, a little bit with had an infection, there was chemicals in their environment, they, you know, sleep next to their Wi-Fi router. And, um, you know, they're not eating really well, not getting enough exercise. Um, their body's really, really stressed and they have a death in the family or they move or there's a divorce. Often you'll see, or a baby's born, you'll see um, an autoimmune um, disease actually develop or, uh, yeah, develop, I suppose would be the word. Um, like literally overnight after this stressor is introduced. And it, it is definitely part of the total load picture. Um, we have other things like usual lifestyle, usual suspects. Okay, so I just mentioned a few of those. Poor diet, poor sleep, lack of exercise. We could have hours of discussion about each one of those and how those create massive stress if they're not, if they're poor, if the diet's poor leading to toxicity and deficiency, um, bad oils, you know, um, like un unhealthy, you know, oils, I should say, not necessarily bad, but unhealthy, um, not enough, they know enough protein in the diet, uh, maybe a lot of fried foods and, um, you know, all kinds of uh, chemicals or pesticides sprayed on there. So, uh, you know, food that are irritating, right, to the gut inherently, but also can be reactive foods. So we could have a lot of these kiddos who have food sensitivities. One of those things to watch, especially for children with type one, well, two of them for sure are gluten and dairy. And I, those would be two of the foods that I would take out of the diet ASAP. Um, can't, we don't have enough time to get into that too much, uh, but just know that diet is really important and it can be um, a detrimental um, 
thing <laughs> for people with, with uh, that are, it's a usual suspect if it's not a healthy diet, okay? Poor sleep is another thing. That's when we, you know, clean the brain. The brain has a chance to clean itself. The lymphatic system is at work. Just, you know, it's like the lymph of the brain. It gets rid of all the toxins. And those are very stressful. Those are very stressful, the toxins that we have in the brain as well. Um, and we really need to clean that out every night. It's where we do our rest and repair. Um, and our circadian rhythm is hyper important for all of our biochemical processes. So if we disrupt that, we put a lot of stress on the body as well. Um, lack of exercise, again, I think we all know benefits of exercise, you know, oxygenation, actually burning off the sugar that we eat. Um, it makes our metabolism higher, so we burn off sugar faster and more efficiently. Um, many, many uh, issues uh, relating to exercise. And if there is a lack of that, um, we have poor health as well, including ability to, you know, um, get rid of all the gook, you know, like be, through the lymphatics, uh, we need to move to keep those the, the lymphatic system going. So exercise is really um, important and lack of exercise is a usual suspect, something to look into. Um, when you're looking for this total load, like what is getting put into that bucket? All right, so even things like poor lighting, poor posture, you wouldn't even know, disordered breathing because they cause a great deal of stress and they these things actually instigate instigate the body's stress response all right so i'm going to talk about the autoimmune triad here quickly and so as i said uh type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease or disorder and so these three conditions must exist for the immune system to begin, begin what looks like a self-attack, okay? But we're gonna talk a little bit more about that in just a second. So number one is genetic predisposition or weakness, okay? So this is a predisposition, not a prediction. These genes have to be turned on or I guess better terms might be upregulated or downregulated to cause any problems. So some of them, you know, like they need to be upregulated. Some need to be down. Like, so we don't want to be burning through serotonin too quickly, but we also don't want to be, you know, um, like storing it and not burning through it fast enough because either way we have a problem. Okay. So it just depends on the gene and what that's, you know, what, where that SNP is. And that's called a single nucleotide polymorphism. So if there's a little bit of a defect on that gene, which just means that you're just a little different than the majority of people in the world, um, we can have this upregulation or downregulation. So that's sort of like our individual little bit like a weak links that we have. And so these are predispositions. They're not prediction. Okay. And we have all the control over that. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second when we talk about epigenetics. Okay. Um, number two is intestinal hyperpermeability. So this creates a highway for antigens to enter into the bloodstream through the GI tract. We can also experience blood-brain barrier hyperpermeability, which is when the blood-brain barrier is breached, um, allowing toxins into the brain, causing brain inflammation. So many autoimmune conditions, autism, mental and mood disorders, neurodegenerative disorders, and PANDAS are due to breaches in the blood-brain barrier or brain autoimmune and or brain autoimmunity, okay? Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about intestinal hyperpermeability in just a second. So number three, so this is the third one, environmental trigger. Okay, so we need a trigger. We've got these two things that set us up. We've got a predisposition. We've got hyperpermeability. Now we're looking at those factors that we completely control. Well, we actually control hyperpermeability as well. But um, these triggers, the environmental triggers, are most often the usual suspects, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second, and are usually, or we already talked about, sorry, and are usually due to many of these factors that build up, creating a total load and to finally cause symptoms, then disease. So genetics, and here's the quote, genetics loads the weapon and environment pulls the trigger. Okay, so we need an environmental trigger. Usually it's a, it's a combination of many of them, especially in this world we live in right now. So epigenetics means above the gene, and it's an exciting scientific field that asserts that genetics are not destiny, but that our genes can be turned on or off, upregulated or downregulated, which I already explained. We are all born with a specific set of genes and some are fixed, 
such as eye and hair color, but many others lie dormant want, waiting to be turned on or off. And again, it's not, it's sort of on, sort of off, but it's really just like activating, right? Certain things, upregulating, downregulating. So very simply put, healthy diet and lifestyle habits turn on the good genes and turn off the bad. I guess it might be a good way to put that. It, it actually, healthy diet and lifestyle allow those genes to behave themselves the way that they should. How about that? So unhealthy diet, lifestyle, and stressors such as infections and metal and chemical exposures cause epigenetic mayhem, okay? Also, um, when I say metabolic mayhem, we have neurochemicals that aren't right. We have hormones that aren't right. Hormones are very important when we talk about type one. We have digestive system that's not right. All those things that cause, that come together and create a state of dis-ease. All right, so our skin and uh, gastrointestinal tract, so it's the GI, protect our internal bodies from invasion from antigens, which are foreign invaders that make us sick. Okay, so we got like these things coming in here. They're not supposed to be there and they can make us sick disrupt our metabolic processes and are not meant to be in the bloodstream. Okay, so whole proteins, let's say, of gluten aren't supposed to be in the bloodstream. It's supposed to be broken down into their individual peptides, and then the body recognizes them and knows what to do with them. If they come into the bloodstream intact, the, blood, the, the body, the immune system says, I don't recognize that as not supposed to be there. I cannot use that. We need to get rid of it. Okay. So when there's a breach in these defenses, invasion can occur. And when invasion occurs, our immune system responds. So the GI tract has tiny holes for small particles to pass through, such as nutrients and minerals from fully digested food, right? Like I said, and this is called assimilation. But when the lining of the gut is disrupted and bigger holes are created through things like poor diet, chemical and medical metal exposure, EMF exposure or potentially gut damaging proteins such as gluten, antigens can make their way into the bloodstream. So these anti this agitates the immune system. So antigens are also, what did I say? They are things that are not supposed to be there. That's anything that's just not supposed to be there. So what happens when they enter the bloodstream, it agitates the immune system, which in turn, you know, in an attempt to protect us, takes the invading antigens for destruction. I am saying this is not supposed to be here. Sometimes tagging our own cells in cases of mistaken identity, which is called molecular mimicry. So it says, hey man, this looks a lot like a thyroid tissue. But like, our, like, so this antigen and thyroid tissue, what's the difference? And so sometimes that body will attack the thyroid tissue because it looks very similar to that antigen or simply attempting, or the, the, the body, the immune system is simply attempting to rid itself of neopeptides, okay, neopeptides. And these have been formed when a chemical or poorly digested food has bonded with the human protein and is seen as foreign. So it's actually bonded and turned into something else, right? So a chemical, let's say you're eating like inorganic apples, the body, the, what happens is that protein can be at attached to either a protein of the body or the apple itself. So it can create a hyperreactivity to the apple because it's not like a pure apple molecule or that it can come into the bloodstream and attach to a human protein and, and it's seen as foreign. So hence the autoimmune cascade. So, or it can also be attempting to attack the pathogen that has infected healthy cells. It's pretty straightforward, that one. So all that needs to happen once the intestine is hyperpermeable, hyperpermeable is an environmental trigger or a combination of them. And those are the straws that broke the camel's back to set the autoimmune cascade into motion. All right, so how are you doing so far? <laughs> That's a lot of information. I hope I don't go like way over time. So I think I'm pretty good for now. So I'm going to keep going. We're going to touch on testing just a little bit for just a few minutes. Again, I'm not going to go into like the nitty gritty of each test, but I'm going to give you a really nice idea of what testing can happen to ferret out root causes and hence give you a really good game plan of what to do. Okay, so why test? Okay, I'm just going to tell you those exact same reasons. So you think my kid has a diagnosis and like, you know, isn't that enough? Like, you know, isn't that enough? We have a diagnosis. Why do we need to, what do we need to test more for? Okay, well, I'll tell you. So 
We can make assessments according to our children's health histories. Yes. Okay. So, but testing is an excellent way to make sure we aren't flying blind and tests can reveal, like I said, causal factors. It can, it can reveal current reasons for current symptoms. It can reveal what is going on metabolically. So we can have all kinds of deficiencies and toxicities that wouldn't be addressed otherwise that can actually, if addressed, greatly improve your child's health. Um, it can give us a baseline to monitor progress. Um, it can actually show us, um, uh, sorry, we can also test both our children's bodies and our environments, okay? So we can do both, which is really amazing actually in this day and age. So we can test, so we can test to uncover root causes of our children's health challenges so we can address them giving better control, um, reduce future complications or, or comorbidities, which is, a comorbidity is actually another diagnosed condition that is in, in addition to your primary condition. So let's say you, your child was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. They can also be diagnosed with celiac disease, Hashimoto's, heart issues later on in life, et cetera, et cetera, right? So those are uh, mental health issues, stuff like that. Uh, eating disorders, <laughs> that's another one and provide a chance for healing, okay? So th these tests can provide a chance for healing. We can get to the root causes to find what needs to be healed. I know I'm hammering that home, but that's, those are, that's an important point. So in all the years I've spent chasing answers, I've finally come up with my favorite labs and specific tests that can unearth most of the underlying causes we have outlined above. Um, so functional blood work, and again, you're going to be able to see this as a list in your materials, your PDF that you'll be provided with. Um, and so thyroid panel, fibrinogen, iron, D3, inflammatory markers such as C-reactive protein, um, hemoglobin A1C, fasting insulin, fasting glucose, CBC, triglycerides, minerals, and vitamin B12. So those are really good ones to run on your kiddo with type one, all for varying reasons um, that I don't have time to go into today, but we could, you, you could always work with your healthcare professional who knows functional medicine and also is familiar with type one diabetes as well as holistic practices. And they can help you out with that. There's also some testing I like to run. I run on my own clients. Um, when necessary, after I go through a good health history. And I test for food reactivity. So I use Vibrant Wellness uh, food zoomers. They're much more sensitive. They test the individual peptide rather than the whole protein. And food reactivity is very uh, stressful on the body. Um, and they, I always want to know if I'm seeing casein A1B, for instance, that can be cross-reactive with the beta cells. So um, and I want, I'm always looking for gluten as well, but there are other exacerbating uh, foods and very common um, allergies. And they're, they, they're not just allergies, but they're food reactivities, um, such as gluten, or sorry, eggs, uh, corn, sometimes lectins even, uh, in addition to dairy and gluten. Um, I'm missing one for some reason, uh, eggs and corn, uh, something else. Oh, I'm missing that one. Okay, in addition to things like sugar, you know, sugar isn't, isn't a great thing to eat in copious amounts when your body's already having a hard time handling the sugar it's, in take, it's taking in um, as it is. So neural zoomer is another one sometimes I run in special circumstances, especially with comorbidities that involve, you know, mental health, um, you know, perhaps even pandas and pans. And it also will test for the viruses that can be uh, contributing factors to the onset of type 1 diabetes. Lyme and co-infections, same deal as the neurosumer. Um, I'm looking specifically for Lyme and co-infections that could be a co uh, contributing factor as well as heavy metals and mold. I don't even have that on this list that I'm kind of looking at my notes for, but I'm gonna add that right now. Very important, mold and mycotoxins. Um, and again, mold is something that will suppress the immune system or exacerbate things as well. Um, it stresses the immune system. How about that? So there's a couple other things you can run, you know, genetic SNPs testing. Um, you need someone to guide you through that because you can find out things like, 
you know, trouble uh, producing glutathione or maybe vitamin D3 is, you know, has a tendency to be low. I'm always, you know, using D3 with my kiddos with type one anyway, because usually it's almost across the board an issue for anyone with chronic illness, period. D3 is absolutely essential. But you can look at um, some genetics if you have a knowledgeable um, practitioner. And I, I work with uh, some genetic SNPs testing as well. And I value it highly, um, but only if there's the budget and also the need to know. Um, all right, so we can test for antibodies, uh, other autoantibodies, like from a, a lab like Cyrex Labs. Uh, Vibrant has also developed an antibody lab as well. And that one I think is extremely important because we need to know if there is ant are antibodies to these specific um, you know, body tissues or uh, hormones in the body because we wanna know what kind of type, type one or what kind of diabetes this is. And then we may be able to mitigate some of the effects. So we can look for GAD, um, we can look at autoantibodies to insulin, right? Like is the body actually targeting and destroying insulin itself? Is it the beta cell that's the target? So we can look for autoantibodies to the, to the beta cell um, and tyrosine phosphatase. So there's more because, you know, we can even see antibodies to tissues in the body that are pre-disease. So these can be predictive and we can see MS coming down the road. We can see lupus, Hashimoto's, et cetera. So really good information and not to panic, right? Like this is not to make parents overwhelmed and panic. It's to give you empowering information so you can act on what's happening and prevent things in the future, even if you're not perfect, right? You don't have to be perfect, but the testing is really useful to get you oriented in what's going on with your child's body. You can, test the, you can test the environment, like I was saying, for mold. You could look for chemicals in your environment. You can also use alternative testing like bioenergetics, um, autonomic response testing, which is ART. And so that now you have some answers and then you can move on to the solutions. All right, so I'm gonna just talk a little bit about what we do know about diabetes and healing. I'm just gonna give you a little quick and dirty list before I move on to the, some of these final comments that I'd like to make. So proper testing is warranted to ferret out, ferret out root causes so they can be eliminated and to assess what downstream effects in your child, you, uh, your, your child can and should be addressed such as toxicity, neurochemical imbalances and nutritional deficiencies, okay? So we do know that. Um, diabetes management is not just a numbers game, carbs in, insulin in, it's not just at all, not even close. Um, even if we did that and we relied on that and the kids were eating Fruit Loops every day, th that blood sugar is impossible to control. The condition is both of in the immune, nerve, nerve, immune and nervous system as well as metabolic, okay? So the key, the next point, the key to controlling blood sugar is to address root causes which will lower stress, reduce inflammation and therefore dampen the autoimmune response. A holistic approach is fundamental and key to your child's health and healing when you are looking for better than management. Holistic, whole body care, whole person care. I'm talking body, mind, spirit. And I, I just, that is a fact that we have to address it all. We can't just throw one cure or a couple of supplements at this. It is a holistic approach. Due to epigenetics, this is my last point here, due to the epigenetics, we have great power over the expression of our genes, hence the trajectory or progression of health as opposed to disease. So we want to move this way. We don't want to move that way, right? And every choice we make every day affects that outcome, Puts up, points us in the, either the wrong direction or the right one. I'm going to touch on treatments and therapies really quickly. I think that people would be pretty disappointed if I didn't. Um, so obviously the traditional, the conventional route is to do insulin therapy, which we need. It's life-saving for our kiddos. There's, they can't live without insulin if they have you know, extremely high blood sugar. That is, we know that that is a, a very toxic thing to the body and eventually will lead to you know, uh, very sick children. And so we need insul insulin therapy. Um, at least while we don't, we have high blood sugar that we need that at first. Okay. 
Um, needles, obviously, we use them to, you know, inject the, the insulin therapy. We have glucometers to test for sugar and we use the pump. Okay, so we can use a pump as well as opposed to needles. Um, but I was awakened to the presence of other options when I was first uh, researching my own daughter's uh, healing and uh, wanted to know what I could do outside of that because that was really just management to me. And it is, and we do need to survive. We do need management. These things are important, like highly important, but we can go beyond the medical toolkit and take more control. So let's dig into what else there is for our children. So these holistic practices work because they address root causes, which again are the stressors, right? They address deficiencies and toxicities. They reduce inflammation, calm the nervous system and modulate the immune system, oftentimes doing all of these things. So some of those heavy hitters is what I call them, actually can do all of them. And I'm only gonna have time to list these and you are more than welcome to look up any sort of information you'd like or contact me if you want more, okay? But I just wanna give you a really good list so you know what some of your options can be. So low-dose naltrexone is one of the only medications that is in my wheelhouse since I'm a holistic practitioner and I, that medication is not in my wheelhouse. I leave that to the conventional doctors or the functional medicine doctors. Um, but low-dose naltrexone is certainly contender for me because it works more naturally in the body, in my opinion, and it's very low. There are very little side effects issues from that, so I would certainly look into that. Um, alternate insulin therapy. So one of those could be Hyperin if you can actually access that and if, actually, and, and if you feel like ethically it's something you want to do. Hyperin is actually what they used to use and it is based, it's a porcine insulin. So it actually comes from pigs. <laughs> and so if you're cool with that, it's more closely matched to human insulin rather than a synthetic. And so people claim that they have better control on Hyperin. I also think, I do think though that Hyperin is only fast acting. I'm not positive. So um, I haven't looked into it in a while. So do have a look at that if you're interested in that. Immune therapy, such as like serum-derived bovine immunoglobulin, you can just take that as a supplement. Um, and lots of companies carry that. Um, so root cause resolution. So these are some things you, like therapies or like systems that you can use in root cause resolution. So you can do functional testing, like I told you, you can do energetic testing, addressing root causes, preventing progression, comorbidities, complications, or disease in the first place. So that's just like restating that. But we can, and we can also use lifestyle. Um, so as I said, that poor lifestyle can be a usual suspect. Healthy lifestyle can be very healing. And I'm, I, that is, that is, it isn't, it can't, it's not that it can be, it is. So exercise and movement, um, proper sleep at the right time of day, good lighting at the right time of day, and reducing stressors in the environment such as EMF. Huge. That's, that's actually therapy is to get rid of that. The body just takes a sigh and it, the, the stress just goes straight down. Um, diet is also therapeutic. Um, phytochemicals, uh, the, all the chemistry in the body with the food that we eat. We need, and those kiddos need to eat organic whole foods. And I'm stressing organic. People think organics is a luxury. No, it's actually the food in the natural state that it was supposed to be in. It's not unnatural. It's not weird. You know, inorganic food is actually kind of the thing that's strange. GMO food. But we've sort of come to this conclusion for some reason that organic is for hippies and weirdos. But really, it's the food that came from our earth, and that's how it's supposed to be. So let's flip that around a little bit, that way of thinking and spending a few cents more for each and every one of that, those foods you buy um, adds to that child's health and, and reduces the stress on all of your bodies, everybody in the household. Whole foods, super important too. That sugar will be absorbed a lot slower if it's a whole food rather than something in a bag, box or can. Um, and therapeutic diets are really useful too. Some people swear by raw. I, I actually, most of the time I see kiddos that their, their insulin um, needs like totally plummet. They don't need as much when they eat raw. That's not always a, a, anything that's, I guess, realistic for many families. So really adding more fruits and, and uh, sort of more vegetables for sure. And, you know, just watching the fruits, not having super high 
high uh, sugar content as well. But then we can move into like really heavy duty um, therapeutic diets, such as like things like GAPS or the ketogenic diet, or um, uh, actually some people even purport that, you know, high fruit and vegetable, regardless of the carb intake and low fat helps with their children too. But that would really depend on your bio individual makeup and some troubleshooting with a, with a skilled practitioner. So like when I taught, when I advise my, my families, that's what we do is when we look at their individual child and what their family can do and, and want to do. Okay. Advanced nutritional therapies like herbals, beautiful. We drink tea all day long. Um, enzyme therapy, it's not just tea actually as well. You can take things like genema and, you know, um, other herbs, uh, that are known to regulate and stabilize blood sugar. Enzyme therapy, uh, that's another thing we have to really dig into, but um, that's another therapy that can be used and just taking proteolytic enzymes. Um, NAD, nicotinamide riboside, uh, cannabidiol, CBD oil, huge, and it's also really good for uh, repairing the blood-brain barrier if there's any issue there. Supplementation, D3, top of the list, gymnema, which I just mentioned, it's a herb, probiotics, prebiotics, you need to tailor these to your child's bio-individual needs, again, with a skilled practitioner. And I'm just going to name a couple of whole person therapies and practices. Cold laser therapy, which is photobiomodulation, um, homeopathy, uh, essential oils, craniosacral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is EMDR, sorry, EMDR, somatic experiencing, addressing trauma, on and on and on and on, depending on what you need to calm down the immune system, to balance everything out. And there are so many more therapies that um, can be explored in this category, but I just really want you to know that there are, there, the sky's the limit. Don't be, um, I guess, don't be uh, overwhelmed by it all. Just know that there, there's so much out there for you. So again, when you work with a coach, you'll be able to pinpoint which ones you have access to, which will be um, easiest and, and best for you to use or to seek out. So making healing, healing plans that work, okay? So your goals for a solid healing plan. Um, and I, I say that we need to make a healing plan because planning is key. Uh, it's key because um, if anybody knows, even if you try to do, like make a little small little change and you're, you'll, you'll go week down the road and you'll forget or, you know, it isn't consistent enough. Uh, you can't really remember why you did it, you're doing it in the first place. So, you know, the initial like chutzpah you had to actually get going is sort of fading. Um, you don't really have any goals in mind. Like that's, you're not going to get very far if you don't have a plan. And planning isn't meant to be a rigid set of rules. It's really just a, like guidelines for you and what you adjust and make changes as you go. Okay, so this is work. Is this is working? No, nope, this didn't work very well. This made this kid sick. This, all that stuff. You you adapt and change as you go. But you for, you really do need a, a plan. And this is what I work my families through with too, is to create one. So the goals of that plan is to find root causes, okay? Halt the autoimmune process. Address your child's bio-individuality and unique health history and current situation, which would be through testing, taking a health history, keeping records, right? Making an individualized plan is, is the last, one of the last steps. So that's based on your health, your child's health history, your environment, your genetic and possible genetic epigenetic expression, um, test results, type of diabetes and other root causes, things like that, okay? You will likely need help, guidance and support from a knowledgeable health coach to do this, like I said. So I'm gonna, I think this is really the end of what I wanted to leave you with. And it's just a couple of, of uh, you know, points about the effects on the family unit because we really don't talk about this. And especially if you go to, you know, a healthcare professional and they're really looking at the, the body, right? And, and what is going on in that body to create this disease. But I know, we know that this isn't just impacting a person's body, your child's body. It affects the family, it affects community, it affects your circle of friends. Um, there are mental and emotional considerations 
and supports that you're going to need going through this. So some of those things need to be addressed like, um, you know, uh, trauma, right? So we need to address and, and, and be able to help our children as well as ourselves overcome trauma. So what is the psychological effect of diagnosis, of poking every day, of checking, of monitoring? And this really can be a violation of that child's uh, privacy, even though it's meant, it's, it's um, necessary for their survival. So we really need to help our children through that and recognize that their struggles with that as well as our own. Um, shifting from sickness mentality to healing is another really important thing because we can get a diagnosis and think that's the end, that's it, we gotta just suffer or manage or maintain. Um, but we really need to demedicalize our children and ourselves, meaning that we take out this need for cure um, and then, you know, race, you know, against the, the, the clock of like, you know, we need to do this this way now and, and uh, really learning that this is a process and healing is, is a process and health is an, ex it's really extends throughout your life and it changes and shifts. So we really need to change the way we think about this healing process for our children, as well as their health in general from being a pill for an ill to really a state of good health most of the time, right? Sometimes we'll get sick, but good, good health most of the time, optimization. Um, let's avoid food wars, you know, oppositional defiance and other power struggles. Remembering that you're a team, your family is a team. And so that's a really important point to keep in mind when we're thinking about this child because it's all, it affects the whole family. Um, language, languaging. So I'm always, you know, cognizant of my languaging around, you know, saying this is my disease or, you know, the dangers and benefits of diagnosis and labeling, because sometimes there is a benefit so that we can really understand maybe like a set of symptoms that leads to a diagnosis. And then it might give us some insight as to what's happening in the body and then maybe what we can do about it, but never live there. Never claim it as your own because that child's type, that type one diabetes is not who they are. And it's not, it shouldn't be the first and foremost thing that, you know, like exudes from that child or that you think about when you look at this child. This is, this is what, this is the child with type one diabetes. It's really hard not to do that. I'll tell you that it really is because it's at the forefront of your mind 24 seven. But if the, the, the more we're cognizant about the language and our thinking around this, the less that that has a grip on us and the more opportunity we open up because we think, oh, there aren't these limits we used to think that they were, there were when we labeled that child as type one diabetic, okay? So it's not like we shy away from that. We just know that that's not all there is and that even those definitions are incomplete. We don't know so much about these chronic conditions that uh, really turning to nature is the best way to unravel them because that nature knows best. We, we really know, like we're scratching the surface of under, our understanding about the human body and of our natural world. So nature trumps all. Um, and so tools for a healthy mindset. So address all of what I just mentioned. So this is what we can do to have a healthy mindset. Celebrate every success and win and be at peace with what is, yet you strive for the best, right? You, you set your goal, but you strive, you, you, you be at peace with what we, what we have today, but we strive for the best. All right, so I'm just going to leave you with a couple of things. So first, what now? Okay, so what do we do now with all this information? Okay, so first you define your goals and assess what you need. Okay, that's step one. What do you need? What are your goals? What are we going for here? and assess what you need. Do I need some supports? Do I, what do I need to do? Um, address the usual suspects, okay? So I mentioned what those are. You can go through those. You can look through your home. You can look at your lifestyle habits. What is it that we're doing that could be contributing to this? You clean up your environment, like I said. You can address lifestyle factors like diet, sleep, rest, and joy. Have some joy, exercise and movement, et cetera. You watch what happens when you do those things and see where you can get, even with those simple things that don't cost a penny, okay? Start there, always start there. If you don't even have, you can do fancy stuff all you like, but if you don't have the fundamentals down, you will be chasing your tail. So start with those. 
address stress directly, even for kids. Okay, so, hey kiddo, I know this is stressful. What do you need? Do you need to decompress or go have some fun? Do you need to play sports? Do you need to get together with friends? Do you need me to back off a little bit? Do you want a, like a pump patient away from your pump, start using needles again? What is it that we need to do as we kind of keep addressing stress and really be head on looking at it, okay? We, we just need to have an awareness about that and our own stresses and, tr and triggers as well. Um, you can do functional testing, like I'd already said. You make a plan, like I already said find support. So I did mention health consultants, health coaches, who else is on your support team, you define who that is could be a massage therapist could be grandma, you know, um, anything that is that lends you support in this help this journey that you're on. Be realistic about your goals, but shoot for the stars. Like I said, take care of you. Okay, take care of you. That is that's hyper important. And don't forget the rest of life. Like diabetes isn't your life. It isn't the only thing, the thing that exists. It's certainly a factor, but so is everything else, including joy. Um, all right, so I'm gonna leave you with a little quote from Vimala, V-I-M-A-L-A, -A, McClure, from the Tao of Motherhood. That's her little book of short poems that I love and I have on my bookshelf here. And so in it, she says, Keep in mind the endless nature of being and your journey will gain perspective. So I hope this was really useful for you, uh, this presentation on type one healing and your child and um, have a wonderful rest of your day. All right, so if you would like the companion materials for this podcast, please visit the Documenting Hope Project and the link will be under the show notes or in the show notes. And if you need more guidance, support and a plan and are interested in my type one diabetes, your child and fundamentals for healing program, do schedule a meet and greet with me through my website, healthyfamilyformula.com or by going to my link directly, my scheduler link um, at go.oncehub.com slash Carla Atherton and the C and the A are capital letters. So go.oncehub, O-N-C-E-H-U-B dot com slash Carla Atherton to find out more. And this podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula, which essentially means that we share our information for free. All we ask is that before you move on to the next hundred things on your to-do list for today, take what you learn and instead of waiting until Monday, January 1st or any other arbitrary date in the future, act on it now. Buy that new food, start that new routine, shift into that healthier habit. The little steps steadily move you past the miles you leave behind you. For more information about anything related to family health, do pick up my book and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs and practitioner training program at healthyfamilyformula.com. You can also like our Facebook page uh, facebook.com slash healthy family formula follow us on instagram at hff underscore revolution and follow us on clubhouse at empowered family thank you for listening as it was a pleasure to spend this time with you today may you and your family be well please note that family health revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis or medical treatment but is the opinion of the host this podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted health care providers, if they so choose, when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility. Thank you.